You're listening to Flux Pod. My name is Matthew Perpetua. This episode features Jake Longstrath from Time Crisis, one of my favorite shows. We're going to talk for two hours about Guided by Voices. If you've never heard them, I promise you this will still be pretty entertaining. Just a reminder that if you subscribe to patreon.com slash fluxblog, you'll get a premium episode of this show every week. Right now, I'm doing a series on the Sonic Youth discography. Anyway, let's do it. Jake Longstrath. audience who you are and what you do yeah my name is jake longstreth um i am a painter an american uh, painter i'm an american painter by trade (laughs) and uh internet radio personality uh according to my wikipedia page um i co-host the show time crisis with ezra koenig on apple radio every other sunday we've been doing that for five years now and um yeah that's what you're I do. also Jeep. in a band called richard pictures that's true i'm in a grateful dead cover band called richard pictures um and we might start practicing like kind of this month oh man when was the last time mm. you've been actually like in the same room as your bandmates um we hung, we've we hung out a few times uh kind of in the back patio yard area of one of our houses um not yeah but haven't played music and like the last time we played music all together was october of 2019 at the hollywood bowl uh (laughs) humble brag um you played the hollywood bowl yes we richard pictures played a half hour set warming up for vampire weekend and to narwin at uh the hollywood bowl Pays to have connections. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Also, you, you have uh, Mountain Brews. I have Mountain Brews, too, uh, which is a fun recording project with most of the people from Richard Pictures. Um, and so it's sort of like a, f- a fun kind of meta classic rock band. Um, yeah, but people can uh, find that music on, you know, Apple Music yeah. first and foremost, but also Spotify and the rest. Sure. Yes, I am a company man. Um, <laughs> Apple Music, first and foremost. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Time Crisis fan. And, uh, God, I think right around the time the pandemic... No, no, I was into the show before the pandemic. I know. I think I just kind of like went through a lot of the archives in that time. So, like, <laughs> your show is now, like, really, like, tied in with, like, early pandemic era. And you're also, oh, like, wow. going, like, once a week around that time, too. That's right. We were for a few months. We really um, turned it turned up the heat. And time uh, of crisis in a time of crisis. Yeah, did it once a week. All right. Today we're talking Guided by Voices. Very excited about this. So, uh, what was your starting point on the band? Uh, my intro to GBV was very 
straight up textbook intro. It was at college, um, freshman year of college, which would have been 1995 at Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. Um, and like I made friends with this woman named Katie who was on my floor who started a band later called Dear Nora. Oh, yeah. But, um, and I played in that band with her for years. Um, but, um, you know, she was like one of the people on my floor that was like into pavement, you know? And it was like, okay, like you're kind of like sorting out like who, like who are people on your floor freshman year and like who are you going to be friends with? And like we became friends pretty quickly. And she was like, do you know, or like, are you into GBV? Like you must be if you love pavement. And I was like, I don't know it. I don't, and I don't know how I missed it. I didn't read Spin or Rolling Stone, really. I just listened to college radio and kind of that's how I heard about stuff. Well, I mean, with 95, like they really had only been like widely known for like about a year at that point. True. Was it like, was it, did, was your first one B Thousand or Alien Lands? B. So we like got in her old Volvo and like drove around and she put on B. And I was just like, what is, I just loved it from the yeah. get. So I would, I would consider <clears> that pretty much ground floor. Yeah, sure. I mean, as far yeah. as the world is concerned, sure. if you're not like, in, like, if you're not from like this weird network of people in Ohio. Yeah, no, and I guess Alien came out in '95, so Alien had probably—I don't know when it came out, but it would probably it was probably our—you know—this was fall of '95, so Alien had probably been out for a few months. Um, and I, yeah, I just—I don't. Then I, yeah, then I think I—I I don't remember if I bought the CDs or dubbed them onto a tape. I don't really don't remember, but um, like that was just—I just started listening to that stuff nonstop. I think for me, the I think. The way it went was I had an English teacher uh, named Mr. Munir and his son was big God of Voices fan. So he was aware of it, but completely like befuddled by it. And he knew that uh, me and another friend of mine, like, you know, we liked like the like, indie music. We like weird yeah. indie music. And he was like, like, do you know this band? Like they, 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 they have a song about like kicking elves. He's really fixated on kicker of elves, you know, and which is a bizarre song. Yes. But uh, I think is, like, is this high school or college? High school. Oh, cool. High school. I think I'm uh, I think I'm two years younger than you. Okay, yeah, I was born in 77. Yeah, I'm 79. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then I think, I'm not sure if I actually got B1000. Like, I think one of my friends did. I knew it from that. And, you know, and I also remember like being into like really into a song of theirs that was on a CMJ sampler called a really weird one called Squirmish Frontal Room. Do you remember that one? Yes, I, th- I think that was like a, uh, I remember that title. It's, I think they, I think it was basically like a, I think they're promoting the the first like box set of all like random stuff they had. 
Oh, the box, right? Yeah, of all the early records. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's a really abrasive and weird one. But I think, I mean, there. I mean, I was aware of them for a while, but I don't. I didn't really like fully, fully get into God of My Voices until maybe around ninety nine, where like an internet acquaintance was like hard selling me on them and sent me a CDR of just like really good guided by voices songs uh, in advance of me going to see them play. Uh, I guess they're touring for do the claps. Mm-hmm. So it was, but it was a lot of like real deep cut songs that they were just happened to be playing at that time. And a lot of those re- remain some of my favorite guided by voices songs. But uh, I mean, after that, I mean, I saw them play. I was I got really into the records, but I saw them play like a lot of times between like 99 and 2004. I mean, they were touring pretty relentlessly in that era. I mean, they were going hard. I, I was living in Portland those years. And yeah, I would like my friend and I would go up to Seattle to see them like at the Crocodile or their show box, catch the Portland show, sometimes go down to the Bay Area, catch the shows there. What's a Portland? What's a Portland crowd for God of Voices like? It, in this like late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, yeah, like a classic venue would be like Burbati's Pan, which is like a classic. It's like a great GBV venue because it's like a bar with like the cap is maybe like three or four hundred. So it was like you could get up really close. But um, was the the, the culture the kind of in it where people were just like? I think about those God of Voices shows and I think of like people just being out of their minds as blitz, just like oh, yeah. as much as they possibly can. Probably yeah. some of the most alcohol consumption I've ever witnessed at any shows. And yeah, then also I mean, like people just like pointing at the, 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 the thing I've only ever really noticed at God of Voices shows where people would like put their hand up and point at lyrics they like. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean point? Like, like as they, he's like, singing them? Hand in the air and kind of point at Bob Pollard when he would sing a line that he, that they like. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's just a Maggie lot of like, Maggie turns <laughs> to flies, just like pointing. <laughs> yes, that's Hell a yeah. good one, Bob. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yes, I and I would like, I got pretty blitz at a few of those shows. Um, I might have been doing some hand pointing, to be honest. I definitely like, it's definitely the most like, um, it's it's definitely the like GBV shows are definitely the most I've ever indulged in like unabashed fandom. I, I think the thing I because I remember seeing like uh I think it was a second to last show they played in New York City, uh, the original run and like, I think we're it, just for the sake of sanity this episode we're just focusing on the original run that ends in two thousand four. True, but I remember like people being at those shows and like I remember these people next to me just like like kind of sobbing like i don't know what, what to do now i don't know what shows to, to go to uh <laughs> they're like deadheads after jerry died <laughs> absolutely it was absolutely that and i'm sure like you know you know and then you know bob just keeps going you know but yeah yeah those people I mean, were just like real like facing a crisis i know i never was that unmoored i i always had like i always was able to maintain some sort of like skepticism because i do like looking back like Definitely some of my favorite concert experiences were some of those shows, but also like there were some like bummer dark shows, like whether like, <laughs> like I just remember a couple of shows where it was just like, like maybe like Oh two or Oh three where they, they just seemed exhausted. And like, I had maybe seen them too many times within a, you know, three year period. And like the crowd was like maybe a little too like, the church of Bob and like everyone was hammered. And I remember just like 
a couple times just like I remember because I would travel sometimes to go like up to Seattle or whatever with my buddy Steve. And I remember like we were at some show and the vibe was just bad. And I remember Steve turning to me and just going, we've gone too deep. <laughs> we've gone too deep. And like we had been at this like, like, like it was maybe, maybe at the Crocodile Cafe. And I think I just remember like the vibes were just, I don't know. It's like, it couldn't explain why, but the vibes were just off. And we had been at this Mexican restaurant next door before the show. And it was just like full, like as soon as we walked in, we could tell it was just full of like all GBV fans. And Steve was just like, I think GBV fans are like the ugliest people on earth. Cause it was just like a bunch of just like already drunk guys. Like the, the, the like audience kind of is generally pretty old, even back when they were like yeah. really young. Yeah. And it was just like, God, it almost like again. I don't want to get. I don't want to go too neg, but like there were definitely a few shows where it was like, "What are we doing? Like this is too. It's getting too like trekky or something." Like, well, it, it occurred to me. I think actually in seeing that that show I mentioned that last one, kind of observing the fans that the hardcore, kind of my voices fans kind of share Bob's major problems, <laughs> which would be like they drink too much. They clearly have some form of OCD and they're very depressive. And, you know, yeah, it's like and like Bob, this has attracted. I mean, and I would say like, you know, in some way, like I can relate to those things, maybe not nearly to the degree that some other people can. But I mean, I do think that the way Bob Pollard writes about depression resonates with me more than the vast majority of anyone writes about that sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. And the way he writes about drinking. Mm. There's so he has so many great alcohol songs. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to at least a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. just for the listener, like uh, we kind of threw together a bunch of songs to, you know, just kind of bounce off of. We're gonna, I guess, just kind of get through them kind of, kind of randomly. We'll probably not get yeah. through all of them, but we're gonna try to get through like the major ones anyway. Um, but I think a thing with <laughs> with God of My Voices is that you realize how much you love them and how brilliant Bob Pollard is when you realize, Oh, there's like at least a hundred songs he's written that I love. Yeah. And like, and you, and you just kind of compare that to like most anyone else. Like who do you, yeah. I mean, who have at, at least, at least a hundred songs you love. No, it's true. Like the numbers are definitely on his side. Um, and like, yeah, like if pressed, like I'd have to say like, this is my favorite band. Um, and a part of that is sort of like, there's a lot of bands I love that have like, you know, two or three albums that are, that I really like that I'll return to, but there's such a, <laughs> a depth of, like to the catalog that like, I can be like in a phase where I'm listening to like only Pollard solo material for like a year. How and do then I'll, you go on the more recent stuff? Cause I've, I've really not, I, I check in, but I find it hard to keep up with the output now. Yep. I agree. Um, I'm finally one of those guys that's sort of like, why don't you guys just put out one record? Because they're literally putting out like three. And I'm like, damn, I can't. Um, yeah, I, I check in. I, I check in. I was really into Space Gun from like 2018. They've literally put out like six records since then, which I've listened to all of them and I haven't fully connected. And I'm sure there's like GBV heads that are listening to this who are just like, you loser. Yeah, like well, I mean, I counted like they've basically have released about seventeen records since uh, twenty twelve. 
which is an insane <laughs> number of albums. And that's not even counting like other things that Pollard has yeah. done. That's not called God by Voices. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I there's definitely songs in, in that run that I like. I mean, I was actually listening to the the one that just came out like a week or two ago. And there's a, at least three or four songs in that one that struck me as like, oh, these are really good ones. Yeah, there's that one like Trust Them Now or something. Mm. That's really good. The one that yeah. really struck out to me was called like the, the Batman Sees the Ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like, I don't know what's going on with like releasing three records if it's like a cottage industry where like there's a certain there's like 2000 people that will buy that record every time i think like, that's exactly it i think because it's like you know when people talk about like things like patreon or like all you need yeah. is like 1000 really hardcore fans and he it's, absolutely has 1000 hardcore oh, fans yeah. and he will fleece them forever it's a cottage industry because i you know reading about like his his like like the peak of their career it's like like, you know, B thousand, for instance, was like he was calling songs from like that he he had written years ago. Like like even at that time, like I remember reading like he was like when I made B thousand, I knew that we had some attention. So I just like took all my best songs that I hadn't used yet. And some of them were like really old. And if you go deep into the uh, suitcase box sets, which I have, um, you'll find like early versions of some of those songs on B. And it's sort of like, yeah, that's how most people work. Like you write a lot of stuff and like you have you with with the sense of perspective you go back and like choose the best stuff and refine it and like that's what even though those like classic 90s records have that tossed off feel they still were like the product of like editing and like i really feel like the new stuff like woof woof and warp and stuff is just like it's just i mean it's just like it just seems like truly like first take kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, just moving through it. And like, I mean, I respect that it's, it actually feels more like my experience in blogging <laughs> where you're just like, Oh, let's, well, it's time to make some more, you know, don't think about it too much. Just try to do the best you can. Uh, whereas like, I think especially, I think especially uh, B thousand alien lanes are coming fr- from his uh, experience as a collage artist. And those albums really sound like collage in the way they're edited and the way the, the textures are, it feels like, you know, like you're you know, the equivalent of just like pasting and taping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I listened to, I didn't listen to B uh, in a couple of years. And I listened to it the other day as I was getting pumped up to do this app. Um, and man, B, B hit hard, but yeah, like the it's editing, just, it's so stacked. Like that one yeah. in alien lanes, like they're yeah. so stacked with classics. We could just do those two. And like those, they're, they're definitely the most popular. I know. Um, no, but you're right about the edit. It's like, I love the way they did that. It almost, this is like a weird comparison, but like, I just watched Goodfellas for the first time in a long time too. And like, I was reading like Scorsese said something about like, he like, wanted to have that movie feel like it was like one long trailer, <laughs> like in, in the way it's edited. It's like so fast, you know, and it's just like, and it, there's something to that. And I was like, I think of the, especially the way he uses music and that is very trailer like. Right. right. And I was like, well, it's kind of, and I was listening to B and I was like making this weird connection. And I was like, or it's almost like B is like, it's almost like, um, like the, uh, like a weirdo version of like the Beatles medley on side B of Abbey road. Oh, or it's also like, remember when they used to have like those, uh, commercials on TV for like, like these, like all the great songs from the sixties. And it's kind of like, yes, the album yes. is like one of those where like, here's like 30 seconds of that song, you know? Yes. 
Yeah, he has so many great songs that like that don't really repeat, but they feel complete. Like I was listening to that song Dayton, Ohio, nineteen something and five. off tonics and twisted chasers and like it doesn't it's not like a verse chorus kind of song and it ends with that lyric of like man you needn't travel far to feel completely alive and it's just like and the it's like he only sings that phrase once and it's such a beautiful melody yeah i mean a lot of my favorite songs of his have that kind of structure and right um I, i think it's it's kind of like the way he writes is if the song resolves to a conclusion, he doesn't feel any need to retrace a step. It's all about the forward momentum of the song getting to the point. And yes. yeah, like you, then that's it. It's like you, you said the thing. Yeah, no, I, and I feel, I love that because yeah, if you were like a more, I don't know, um, a band that was more self-consciously professional, you'd be like, well, that's, this is a, this is a good verse. So we need to like go back and like do another verse. Cause like, that's well, how well, I mean, are. a perfect example of this is teenage FBI, right? Cause he originally did that song. It's like a minute and a half. Oh, right. I love and when they re-recorded it for do the claps. It was expanded to a three minute song. And I mean, I do actually prefer the, the longer version of it. And that's actually one of my big favorite guy to voice songs. It does build. Um, yeah. Cause it live, they would play, they'd play the, do the collapse version and it, it definitely kind of, I think they ended up just playing kind of a hybrid of the two. Oh, really maybe yeah because the because the arrangement was more like the original one right because the yeah, the original was on that seven it was really short someone tell me why I do the things that I It's also on the greatest hits cut record they made, like uh, that version instead of the uh, Rick Ocasek version. Wait, what's the greatest hits one? Oh God, what is it called? It's like oh, is that the one where he's wearing like, at hourly rates? Oh, and he's wearing that stupid robe. <laughs> yes, the wizard Bob Pollard. Oh my God. I mean, look, my favorite band, but I mean, I have to say the album art on some of the recent stuff. Ouch. Yeah. And like the, I, you know what? I wish someone like could help them out with their merch game. Cause I am a ready, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to spend money on the internet on GBV t-shirts. I have the, um, 
Pollard throws a no hitter shirt, which is a great piece of merch, but everything else, I'm just sort of like, guys, this is not, I used, look to, have a, good. I used to have a teenage FBI shirt. Oh, that's cool. I don't know what ever happened to that. There's, there's lots of old clothes I have, and I don't know what the fuck happened to them. I don't remember throwing them away. I had some great 90s pavement shirts. Well, they've reissued most of those now. I actually rebought <laughs> a few of them recently. Reissuing shirts is yeah. so funny. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing the 180 gram vinyl reissue. We're doing a t shirt reissue of uh, the Wowie Zowie tour. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the pavement had the good T-shirt design. Yeah, no, they did. They did. Like the like they had like one that I actually have not repurchased is the one that has like the it says pavement power and it has like the PV kind of logo. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So l- let's just jump into a song. I've, I was thinking about this. Like, what was the what's the appropriate song to like really start on? And it's a salty salute. Oh yeah, got to be a salty salute. I agree perfect opener the club is open This is a song that, like, if you're trying to get people who don't know GBV into GBV, I'll I'll play this one first a lot of times. Yeah, I think it kind of sets up the premise of the band because it has, like, the the kind of low-key feel, but it also sounds like he's trying to, like, play an arena in his head. Yes. The vocals on this are amazing. Are we actually going to hear it, or what what, what are we... Oh, yeah, I'll I'll edit in, like... Oh, we're not going to actually listen to it together? No. (laughs) I I don't have that set up. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, rad but yeah um we have to go on our 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 own memories of the songs oh i can do that no though his vocals on this are so incredible too they're just they sound so big yeah i I think that's that's something that's really special about a lot of those songs It, it sounds like even though he is especially in that like uh early to mid 90s zone where like they're they're just like in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio, and just, you know, have like Bob Pollard, I think is like maybe in his mid thirties by that point. And like no expectation of anything, but just like shooting for the stars in these songs. This, yeah, Yeah. he's not denying what the songs could be, even if maybe he is in other ways, just the kind of the, the, the ultra lo-fi quality, but you know, the feeling of it has to get there. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those songs that, that would not have benefited from like repeating. I mean, this is one of those songs that just go, it just, it just goes through it once. There's no real, the chorus is like the club is open, but like the chords never change. Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's all really around that bass line. The doo, 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 yeah. Doo, doo, yeah, and the phrasing, it, all the, the phrasings are so good that each one is unique. 
that's what is so interesting. It's like, like to carry us to the lake. Like it's just like every lyric has its own little melody. It's not like I wrote a melody and I'm gonna fit lyrics to it. It's like he like it's it's so organic in this in the way that like it seems like he just had these words and he just like well this is the best way to sing them possible. It's so. Cool. I always wonder like how, like how it seems like these words just come to him. You know, these phrases, these incredibly evocative things. Like it's, a, it's a, like he's like kind of like tapping into some like collective unconscious or something. Yeah, I mean, because it will still seem kind of like familiar or like he or like, oh, I like I think I know what he's talking about. Like, I know that image, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Now I'm just like thinking of the song in my head. <laughs> have you seen them open a show with it? I think so. I've definitely seen it's it. It's hard to top it as an opener. Yeah, I've definitely seen it like maybe opening an encore. Yeah, I think over time, like it became more of an encore song. I'm trying to remember why I saw them open at least one show with it. It may have just been a whim. So like, where were you seeing these shows? Like, where were you living? Well, all of them were New York City. Okay. I've I've been a New York City person since like the late nineties. Oh wow! But yeah, I mean a lot of them like Bowery Ballroom cool. or uh, the they played a fair number of outdoor shows. Um, right. The first time yeah. I saw them was um, ninety seven at um, in Grand in um, Central Park. Oh my God! We were at the same show. Oh, cool. Slater Kinney opening. Yes. Yep. That's so oh, funny, wow. man. That was the first time I saw them. Um, because I was there mostly for Slater Kenny. Oh, interesting. Well, it's funny. I was a real early adopter for Slater. That's Kenny. cool. Um, well, it's funny because I got yeah, like I was going to college in Portland at that time. I don't think I had seen. I think that was probably the first time I saw Slater Kenny too. Even though they were a Portland band or Olympia band, but um, they were like popular in the Pacific Northwest for sure. Um, but I was like back with my, you know, because I grew up in Connecticut. So I was like back home, like working a landscaping job, like in between college summer style. And then my, my friend, Jason Anderson, who, who's actually a sing, he's like still doing, he's a singer songwriter. I don't know if you know his stuff, Jason Anderson. Anyway, um, does he have a band name? Uh, he did called Wolf Colonel, which I was in, but he, uh, but he, he's, he's gone by Jason Anderson for years. But anyway, he was like, he's like, dude, GBV's playing Central Park. Let's go. So we like got on a Greyhound. From, from Connecticut and went down and saw them. And like, it was cool too, because like it's, it's early internet days and I hadn't, I guess it's pre Google. Cause I didn't like, I wasn't in the habit of like searching out like bands on the internet. Uh, yeah. I was never, I, mean, I was still pretty reliant on magazines. Yeah. So the, I didn't even like know, I didn't even know what I, I guess I'd seen photographs of Pollard, but like, I didn't know like I remember like a road like one of like the roadies, like this like Ohio looking dude, like like bald dude with like long hair, like brought out like a cooler of beer and I was like, Is that Bob? Like I didn't even know what he looked like. <laughs> um you had a reasonable assumption with a cooler of beer though. Yeah, they like brought out the like GBV cooler and I was like, Right. Is, is if that people him? haven't seen God by Voices, like it's just having like a cooler of uh like domestic beer, usually I think they switch to lights at some yeah, point. Miller light. Yeah, uh, this being on the stage is kind of like a theatrical part of the show. Oh, yeah. 
And also, I mean, speaking of uh, a salty salute, I, I you know depends on when, but like they used to have that kind of like neon sign that says the oh, club yeah. is open. Oh yeah. Well, the other thing that was crazy about seeing them the first time and not having and being being a low information uh, concert attendee was that I didn't know he just did vocals. Like I just assumed like because it was like an indie rock show in the '90s that like he would be playing guitar and like looking I mean, that's, that's a fair assumption right because he plays guitar on the records right. and he writes them all on guitar right and i just thought it would be i've of, never seen him play guitar i never have either and i just thought like he'd be a guy kind of like looking down at like his shoes or something like <laughs> playing guitar and singing these songs and then like <laughs> no meanwhile you have, a, you have a middle-aged guy doing like uh jumping kicks yeah no it was like the who Whip it, whipping the mic yeah, around it was I, I was it blew my mind i was just like the dichotomy and it's been much commented on obviously you know among the gbv fans but the dichotomy between the those records from the 90s and the live show was like so compelling it made me love them so much more after i saw that show i was like this band is crazy because they just like played this like massive rock show um super like extroverted and fun yeah i mean i think and then like <laughs> you know it, it's not like that different from uh, like bruce springsteen in its way <laughs> totally right because like you know it's like we're gonna play there we're gonna we're gonna play for three hours to play as many songs as yeah. we have like it's not uncommon for a god of voices song to have like a show to have like more than 50 songs played yeah oh yeah just crazy like it's <laughs> does it think about like how they have to have so many songs learned and like he'll like discard lots of songs i know there's so many classics they never play so if if you're like doug gillard who's been in that band like on and off for a long time like how many songs that he has to know how to play yeah that's why i mean probably hundreds Mm. i wonder i mean that's not even counting songs that were just on records exactly um Let's do uh, Hot Freaks. Okay. I met a non-dairy creamer explicitly laid out like a fruitcake With a wet spot bigger than a great lake Took me to the new church and baptized me with salt She told me liquor I like how the Cot Freaks has this kind of like, like surrealist perv quality. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's so a horny the, song. The Thailand said, "I'm a thigh man." Yeah, it might be like the most. It might be the horniest GBV song. Yeah, it's got to be right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like there's not horny stuff that comes up in other songs, but that's like I think the point of Hot Freaks is that it's horny. Yeah. He's try- I think he's trying to be like the Rolling Stones. A little. Yeah, I like the like it's kind of like this weird spoken word verse. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's just so quotable. Yeah, I mean, with a wet spot bigger than a great lake. I mean, yeah, it's. <laughs> I will be eternally hateful. I remember, Hot freaks. <laughs> did you read that there was um a couple years ago there was a book called the, the the closer you are or maybe just closer you are? I haven't read that. It was um 
it was like a biography of Pollard and the band. Um, and I read it a few years ago, and unfortunately, I have terrible reading retention. But I do remember in that book, I think it was in that book or something else I read that, um, like they were recording that at like Tobin Sprout's house, and like Tobin's wife was like hosting like a yard sale. <laughs> it was like a Saturday morning at like ten in the morning or something, and like they were in the basement recording hot freaks and like people were out like mulling over, like should I buy this like used beach chair? And then Pollard was like in, in the basement, just like screaming at the top of his lungs, <laughs> hot freaks. This, this one is on the house. Oh. I was just like, Oh, it, it, like the screams in that one are so good too. I know. I know. He's so commits. That's another good, I mean, it's a horny thing, but it's also like that chorus is so good. Like this one is on the house. That's another great, like, just like drinking one. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, Imp- yeah, that one's heavily implied drinking. Yes. <laughs> heavily implied <laughs> drinking. Let's let's do a full-on drinker's song. Let's do drinker's piece. Yes, this is one that I want. That was one of your picks. I wanted to cover this one. Well, I like the um that one's from same place the fly got smashed, yes. right? I mean, I think it the he, Yeah, I mean this song like every now and then he he will write a song that is very direct. Like obviously he's known for his like poetic kind of obtuse lyrics, but there are a few like this one, like Drinker's Peace and um God, what was it? I was. I think of now to war. Yes, a similar kind of. Yeah, that's about being like alienated. Like when he's just being like fully vulnerable, right? And it's just yeah. Um, but Drinker's Peace is just like very straightforward. It's like honestly, it's like it's almost like a George Jones, not musically, but lyrically, it's almost like a George Jones song or something, of just like yeah. I mean, life is chaotic and like shitty, and like I get a contact buzz and like. I'm feeling a lot better. I mean, I, I forget what all my problems like, like let, like let the bottle soothe the hurt. Um, I mean, the opening line is at, as at times I wish I were dead. Right. Yeah. Like he's not fucking around on that one. No. And I think, yeah, I just love, I mean, like it's such a, and like the melodies are so beautiful on that. Um, the, I get a contact buzz, like that phrasing is like so incredible. Um, and I just, yeah, I like it when he does like, songs that are very direct um and they're rare but they they're always good when he oh like like i mean like game of pricks is pretty direct um uh, i think motor away is pretty direct um yeah i you know i yeah I, I, mean, I mean a fair number of them are and i think he also has a tendency of like and this is actually one of the things that connects a lot of my favorite artists is they'll kind of mix nonsense and like really direct mm-hmm. stuff like kind of like the they're kind of like a blind side to you sometimes with how with lines that are very earnest. Yes. Yeah. Drinker's piece. The I don't think it's ever occurred to me until I'm like, I'm looking at the lyrics printed out. It's like, Oh, this is literally a love song to beer. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. 
it's it's not i think i had always just like you just hear it and it sounds like he's singing to someone but no that's this song that's a love song to beer yeah i get a contact buzz can't remember what the problem was I find it hard to even care. Life was too real until you got here. The the you <laughs> when I feel sick, you're an antibiotic. Yeah, and he like the you is like booze. It's like until you got here. I love oh, God. <laughs> that 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 that's rough stuff. Yeah, it is rough stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's like I would have loved to have heard George Jones sing that. Because he's like, you know, like the master of like boozy, depressive, you know, alcohol's alcohol's my savior kind of songs. Um, you just mentioned Game of Pricks. I feel like let's just jump into Game of Pricks because that's I, I think at this point Game of Pricks is their most popular song. Yeah, and it's the Alien Lanes version, right? Well, that's the. Yeah, most, I, I mean, I prefer the Alien. Oh, of Lanes course, version. I, I don't like the yeah. other version. Um, the Tiger Bomb version. Right. No, the Alien Lanes version is like, that's like a perfect recording. like a minute and a half it just it packs all the melody and drama into this thing it's like this remember like there was he would say like i was trying to write like fake beatles songs like oh my god that that, game pricks could absolutely be a beatles song yeah but it doesn't feel derivative like that's what's weird it's like yeah because there's a lot of like you know power pop bands that were like beatlesque right Um, because they're trying to do the harmonies and he's not he's just going for like the the pure he's he's just going for like the core of what like Lennon and McCartney were doing. Yeah. I mean, but again, like I don't even feel like, I feel like that song was truly in just inspired. Like, yes, he loves the Beatles and he loves any number of like great songwriters. But like, I just feel like that one is not self-conscious of like, I'm trying to riff on the Beatles. Like, um, you know, I feel like, you know, like, a, like echoes Myron, which is incredible. I feel like that's more is more in the mode of like, let's like, write like a really catchy like 60s right and like i feel like that one kind of implies kind of like the harmonic the the harmonic stuff that the beatles are to the skies yeah yeah but game of pricks is like is like heavier like like game of pricks goes hard um i i i I, yeah i i I would and maybe that's why that's like one of their i mean i think echoes is i would put echoes myron top 10 for me as well but like Game of Pricks might be number one because it it is just like and that and that recording is like that recording is so because people talk a lot about like uh you know lo-fi you know love it or hate it but low like that they're like they're really lo-fi and like but I don't think you could get a better recording of Game of Pricks I mean they tried to later like that like so, like like some other some other lo-fi recordings you're like oh, okay I could picture this like in a big studio like for instance i was listening to b the other day and i heard i listened to um uh gold star for for robot boy and i love that recording but i was like i could picture this in a big studio sounding like an oasis song or something 
Um, right. I think the same is true of Smothered and Hugs. Yes, exactly. I feel like Smothered and Hugs would be a pretty easy song to make mundane. Yes. Yes. Um, but Game of Pricks, it's just like, you're not... Like, I would be interested in, 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 interested in hearing, like, a big studio version of Gold Star. But, like, Game of, that, that recording, I don't know. It's just magic. I mean, like, his singing is is so beautiful on that. And it's just like, man, game. Yeah. Game got game. And also just like, it's a, this is a, this has, this has those real, those lyrics about cheating that is kind of right. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a real fuck boy song, you know? Well, yeah, wait, what is it? What's the, it's like, uh, I've wait. So he's cheating. Oh yeah. I've yeah. He's the cheater. So he's the cheater. Want- yes. Yeah. I've cheated so long. I wonder how you keep track of me. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, and like never, you can never be strong, you can only be free, and I never ask for the truth, but you owe that to me, which is such a dick line, <laughs> right? Because you're the, it's such an unsympathetic song. You're the cheater, <laughs> and then I've entered the game of pricks with knives in the back of me. It's, it's that's right because that's the only that's the only like real like fanciful part of the song. The rest of it's just like real straightforward. Well, no, there's the weird one though about weeping in the trees or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I weep to water the trees. Man, that's yeah. It's it's mostly pretty direct though. That one, yeah. And then it goes straight. Oh, and then, God, Game of Pricks rules. And then it goes straight into <laughs> "I Resign Myself to the Resource." That's one of those records where I can like, if I think about a song, I can like remember immediately what the next one was. Like, yeah, I, just I mean, it's, it's yeah, like. That's not a yeah. record. I mean, Alien Lines is just really meant to be that kind of collective experience. Even though, like, I mean, I will say, like, for the longest time, I listened to Kind of Voices kind of like making a, like a playlist of this all my favorites, mm-hmm. just like 200 songs or something. Oh, my God. And I just add to it as there's new ones. Yeah. Um, so I do listen to a lot of these songs like out of context, but Alien Lanes is something that, you know, you got to hear from time to time, top to bottom. Oh, yeah. Let's do Echoes Byron. We were just, you know, kind of broaching yes. a little bit, but let's, you know, because that one's another real hardcore classic. If it's right, you can tell. Echoes Byron like a siren with endurance like the Liberty Bell. And he tells you of the dreamers, but he's cracked up like the road. And he'd like to lift us up, but we're a very heavy load. And we're Yes, this recording is so incredible. I mean, I was just saying that about Game of Breaks, but the rec- this is like, oh my god, like it it really like it really like swings and rocks. Like that jam at the end is so good. Do 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 do. Like the bass, like high up on the neck, and like uh, I just it's it, it really feels like a band playing live all together. I don't know if it is or not. I have no idea, but like. The, again, I think Echoes Myron, incredibly B Thousand being as like weird and shambling as it is, that's one of the ones where it's like this is a really ambitious band. Yes. No, I remember that first listen to B Thousand back in uh, <laughs> October of 1995. That that hook of like in in what goes up surely must go down. Like that was like the first 
like on my first yeah. listen, I was like, wow, what is like this? This is incredible. There's so many like world class hooks just in that one oh, song. Yeah. No, yeah, the whole like, yeah, because it's like the, you know, like, like Echoes Myron, like a siren, yes. like endurance, like Liberty Bell. Yes. Um, yeah. That whole part, like, yeah, because like there's the first half, which kind of is like verse chorus, Tower to the Skies, and then and what goes up really must come down. But then it goes into that part you were singing, and then it then it just keeps going. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't really double back on itself. No. It just kind of like, well, here's another great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And shit, yeah, it's cool. And shit, yeah, it's just like, it just it just flows and then it goes into that incredible jam. I mean, there are not many GBV jam moments, but that ending of that song, like, and they really like let it breathe. Like, c- considering how like OC, like like kind of OCD the uh, or just like short attention <laughs> uh, span the the editing on B thousand is, they really like let the the jam on Echoes like breathe. They give it that yeah. nice slow fade incredible so so as a person who who's also a musician yeah like, have you learned how to play any of these songs or just for your own mm-hmm. pleasure big time so, like, this not a, like, so when how how is he as a person who writes chords because this is something like i can kind of like glean but i wouldn't know like is does he play like interesting chords and stuff like that yeah he has like a a pretty distinct like i would say his guitar playing his like the voicings and some of the chords are like a big part of the sound of GBV. Like he'll definitely do this thing of like moving, like having like a chord form, like an A chord and like kind of moving that up and down the neck, but like leaving the like high E string, like droning um, or like having like uh, kind of partial chords up the neck, but having like the droning A, like low A string and like, he, um, I mean, you know, I, some of it's pretty straightforward. Like a lot of it's pretty straightforward, but like he definitely is like into, um, pretty basic chord voicings, but just moving them to weird parts of the neck hmm. where you get weird resonances. Like that song I mentioned before, uh, Maggie turns to flies. It's very easy to play, but it's like, it's basically like, like kind of like a D chord, but just playing it like way up the neck with like, but leaving the high E droning. definitely not afraid of like some weird dissonances in the like between the open strings and the ones he's uh you know pressing down on the fret so yeah i don't know um he's into weird structures and like i think like i think especially when you kind of get kind of midway through the catalog you you get more of like because he has like that real obsession with the early prog like he's a huge genesis guy right um, yeah, and like, like how that like manifests itself in his music, which isn't like prog, but it is. Yeah, yeah it, it can be a little proggy. 
Sometimes, yeah, I feel like well, I'm thinking like Portable Men's Society has like a real weird nah, quality nah, to it. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, that one's cool. love Maggie Irwig. That, that 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 record is sick. Very underrated yeah. record. Uh I think you know I think a lot of people had a negative response to it because it was the first record with a, a different version of the band. Right, right. It, like that's like way in the rearview mirror now. Like But wait, hold on. I just want to back up for one sec. Um because you asked me if I learned how to play GBV songs. I've actually been involved in two GBV cover bands. Um oh, no kidding. one was a solo acoustic band called George Boy Voyage. Um, I played three shows, just me and acoustic guitar at like in LA in like 2013 and 2014. I think I did like three shows at like weird art galleries and then, and it was fun. It went, didn't go over that great. Um, cause people were just like, what is this? Like that, you know, but, um, I was going to ask you like, what is the appropriate context <laughs> for a GBV cover band? <laughs> you know, it, it's like, yeah, it was at like a weird art space. Um, you know, I'm not going to like book a gig, like at like a real venue and do that. So it's gotta be like, you know, my friend that like runs an art space and there's going to be a small art exhibition and like wine. And sometimes they have like someone play songs and, um, I was like, Oh, can I do some GBV songs? And they're like, okay, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know what that is. And then there's like, you know, like the three guys that know what this, these songs are. Um, very dorky, dumb, dumb thing to do, but fun. And then like early two thousands, I was in a band called giant bug village, which was full on. Oh, great name. Uh, I think they're still going. It was full on GBV cover band. And, um, I guess I was in my early twenties and our Bob, Pollard was this guy named Stan McMahon who's actually older than Bob. Um, and it was like <laughs> one of the first West coast, um, GBV heads. And like, he would tell the story that like, he got really into GBV around like vampire on Titus, like very early. And like on their first, oh, so it's like right before they, yes, hit. he got, because he, he and his, he is, he had like, like the bass player in this cover band, this guy, John Chandler was a music writer in Portland. So he was hip to vampire and Titus somehow. So he, oh, he probably knew like Jim Greer. Exactly. Something like that. And so he got this guy Stan really into GBV. And then so, so GBV was during their first West coast tour in like 94, I think maybe for B or maybe it was, I guess it was B. Probably, yeah. yeah. And they were playing in like Eugene to like no one. And then Stan shows up and has like learned all of these GBV songs from like propeller and vampire. And he's like, and like finds Bob and he's like, and just starts playing all the, their songs to him. And then Bob was like, I want you to open up tonight. And so like Stan opened up <laughs> the show in Eugene, um, playing GBV songs. And then, I saw, and, and so anyway, I mean, there had to be people who just thought that was oh, the voices, <laughs> right? Because you were just saying before, like you had no idea what pop looked like in like 1997. Yeah, totally. yeah I, anyway, so that's like, a le- so that was, so I remember like in college hearing about this cover band and like we went and saw them and it's one of those bands where just sort of like, 
the, you know, there was Stan and John and John's brother were sort of the core guys in the band and there'd just be a rotating like various drummers and I was playing like the like kind of like the rhythm guitar like the sort of like Mitch Mitchell parts um and so like they're I just played like three or four shows with them in like the early 2000s but I remember being so psyched to like somehow weasel in like weasel my way into that band <laughs> and um wow yeah it was that's like the whole the stand the, the, all the stand stories are for another pod because it, it, there's it's epic dude um i love that he's older than bob because bob. <laughs> bob himself was like i think around 34 35 so he's probably like in his i'm gonna guess a couple years older or maybe yeah maybe around 40 bob is currently like 64 yeah he was born 57 right so yeah so like and it's just fun to think that like you know, like Stevie Wonder is only like maybe like six or seven years older than Bob. Black. I know. You know, it's Bob's older than Paul Westerberg. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's older than like uh, I think he's a couple years older than Michael Stipe. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it's like a lot of these people who are like, you know, you just get that late start. Yeah, but you know. I, I do have to say, I mean, that's, I mean, Bob Pollard is like the ultimate, like everybody who's ever felt like, oh man, I missed the window. I can't, I'm too old for this. Like, no, Bob Pollard proved that's not true. No, it's true. I mean, maybe that leads to like a lot of sad delusion. People are like, I'm holding out like Bob did it, <laughs> but I have to, I have to <laughs> as an artist myself, I do have to say I have, I mean, I'm not, I know I don't pursue music as a profession or something, but like as a visual artist who took his time kind of getting things going career wise. Like I definitely drew inspiration from Bob in, 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 in as a model of uh, artistic perseverance, you know? Um, and, and I mean, and, ultimately with him, it's just like, it doesn't really matter. He would just be doing it. Well, exactly. Anyway. It's like, it's just like a compulsion. That's what I was going to say also is that like, it's true, true love of the game stuff. Um, you know, like especially the '80s and the '90s stuff, in terms of like drawing this analogy out and thinking about like visual art. Like, you know, when you go to like um like a retrospective of an artist at a museum, and like the first room is like the really early work that looks nothing like what the mature style would be. Yeah, Ju- juvenilia. Yes, I feel like a lot of bands like are pretty fully formed on their first record or at least by their second. And I feel like GBV is like so interesting, like listening to the really early stuff, like sandbox and same place, the, 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 the fly got smash. Like his singing is different early. It's like twangier. Um, he hasn't found that like weird mix of like, uh, uh like raspy cigarette voice and, and British accent voice. He's like, yeah, the, f- <laughs> the fake British right. accent is really key. He, he took his time. Like, finding his like aesthetic uh in a way that is like pretty unusual i think in in rock music um it almost reminds me like listening to really early gbv almost reminds me of like you know like um like that first classic aerosmith song dream on how oh yeah where he, it doesn't sound like him it doesn't at sound all. like steven tyler at all like, he hasn't found his voice yet and like that's a cool like, like that's a good song. Well, I mean, the funny thing is because like he, he does sound like himself in other songs from the first album. <laughs> it's just like not that one necessarily. Oh, really? I've actually don't I don't yeah. like <laughs> I haven't listened to the first Aerosmith record in a minute. 
uh, and by minute, I mean 30 years. Um, but yeah, I just, but like dream on is like one of their most famous songs that that's the one like still gets played on the radio all the time. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. I just, I just think I just find it really kind of singular how, like how long the gestation period for GBV was, um, and it does remind me of like, yeah, like a painter, like toiling away in his studio for years, kind of like finding uh, their voice, you know. Let's do one from Under the Bushes, because I think that's like when like he really has found his voice and he's also found an audience at that point. Yeah. So let's do Cutout Witch. I love Cutout Witch. <laughs> dramatic one it's i think it's one of the best live songs oh yeah this one goes off uh, you, you know it's not it's definitely not one of my favorites on this record but live it goes off yeah oh man i, I like uh <laughs> he's kind of like running with like this old like rock theme of like it's kind of a witchy woman kind of vibe <laughs> But he's doing his own twist on it. <laughs> I never thought about. I mean, that. I always love the line like, "Do you suppose she could change your life?" Right. I, I like it being a question. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, have you ever heard the Peel Session version of that song? Uh, I have heard the Peel Session. Yes, I have. I listened to that like maybe a year or two ago. I remember like going down some deep GBV YouTube wormhole. Um, and yeah. it, I mentioned it because like at the, at this, during the break in the middle of that song, he starts singing, uh, acorns and Orioles. I can't oh, tell right. you anything. And it's like, I, I cannot separate that from the song now. So if I ever hear the, the regular version, if I see them play it live, it's like that acorns and Orioles bit just floats into my head. It just feels like it belongs yeah. there. I remember that Peel session was really good. I believe it's the only one they did. God, too bad there's not more of that. It's pretty short, as I remember. It's only like five or six songs, right? 
Well, that's, I mean, I think most people would only do four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, also from the record is uh, official Iron Man rally song, which is like uh, one of the big anthems. Sure. And that one, that one always gets me like really emotional because there's something about that line, like to dine alone. To, you oh, know, is it to a lot dine of, like, or, or line- die? I think it actually is both depending on what part of the song it is. Oh, I also thought it was to die. There's just something about that song that just, I don't I mean, because it's pretty abstract and there's just thing about it that just kind of speaks to this weird loneliness. Yeah. Well, well, when he jumps the octave, you know, because it starts off real. Oh, yeah. Fish in crude oil. See, you know, I don't know what the hell. I get that triumph. I don't know what the hell that song is about. But when he jumps the octave. It. Yeah, that's. the happy little babies that is like a classic who who will rock them gently out of that is like a classic gbv thing of like having these weird melodic phrases in your head of like these words and you're just like what the hell am i even singing because like yeah i'll just be like (laughs) like getting out of the car like going to the grocery store and i'll be like yeah like yeah just like gentle babies and just like what am i singing like Like I have other songs by other artists in my head, but there's something about like the most like the weirdest little phrases will like get caught in there. Uh, yeah. But what else on under the bushes is big for you? Bushes is I love that record. I mean, I would well, let's give a shout out to Tobin Sprout. I would say like one of his best songs is on that record uh, to remake the Young Flyer. <laughs> That's oh, so yeah. beautiful. Damn. And, and that one has kind of a kind of a progish quality you too. Yeah, kind of. It reminds me. Oh god, I feel like there's a particular band that it reminds me of. Or maybe prog's not the right word. It kind of it has like it has a real 70s vibe yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, the melody is like when yeah, Tobin will write like a really like a like Bob will write beautiful songs, but he rarely writes like pretty songs. Well, whereas Tobin will, yeah. will frequently write like very pretty songs and like it suits yeah, his voice. Like that melody is so amazing to remake the young. And it's so funny that they, the, the, those guys found each other because their lyrical sensibilities like really dovetail nicely. Um, One of the great second bananas. For sure. Um, 
I, I, okay, on that record, I love Drag Days. That song kills me. Again, with the octave leap at the end. They will turn around. Um, I'm a big fan of Sheet Kickers. Wait, is that the cover your eyes? Is that that one? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's so intense. Yes. It is such a, you know, yeah, that's, that's definitely like a... Has a real strong divorce vibe to it. Oh, interesting. And what's worse? It hurts. But still, they love the bite. And I would like to die with you. I like to try, but I'm not suicidal. He was divorced. I don't know why I associate that with divorce. I think he it just has a strong I think he got divorce. divorced. Vibe. I think isolation drills is like uh, divorce era. Yeah, it it does not seem easy to be in a relationship with Bob Pollard. No, I mean that seems. I mean that and that extends to people who are in the band with him. Sure, sure. I mean, I I couldn't even possibly speculate on his like personal life, but yeah, I mean. In the band, it seems like he mixes it up. <laughs> he's like Neil Young. He's got like yeah. his crazy horse crew. Because it's so funny. Like, have you seen them at all in the last like whatever it is ten years that they've been playing shows? Uh, yeah, a few times. Yeah. I saw I, I saw them play maybe two or three times when they were like the, the, you know it's the it's the reunited version of the band. So I mean, I remember seeing them play at uh, one of New York City's worst venues, Terminal Five. Uh, and that show was crazy because they're only playing stuff from like 93 through like 90. I was at that show. Was that the first time they came back? Oh, God. Yeah. Like they opened that show with like Tractor Rape Train and like Game of Pricks right at the wow. start. Like that's like the kind of madness that they were like. Yeah. Fought. They were like burning through all the most popular songs within the first like 10 songs. Yeah. But then they kept playing and you're like, oh, yeah, this one. Oh, this one. Yeah. Exactly, because it, it's it's got my voices. It run it runs very deep. Um, what were we just? But yeah, I also I've also seen them a little bit more recently. I think the last time I saw them was like they played some free show in Lower Manhattan, probably I'm gonna say 2018, 2017. Yeah, I think I saw them in 2018. Like Space Gun tour. Oh wait, no, actually no. The most recent show I saw them play was probably yeah, it was, it was it was Space Gun, but so because that show must have been like 2017. But 2018, I remember seeing them play this place in Brooklyn called Industry City. Are you are you aware of Industry City? No. So Industry City is this place kind of like on the outskirts of Sunset Park, and it's kind of like this like it's part like a place for for like startups that have office space. But it also has kind of like a food hall and it also has like random stores, but it also has like these courtyards and they played in one of the courtyards. That sounds like a terrible gig. 
<laughs> what? Uh, it was actually a pretty good. It was actually a pretty good venue for them. Wow, <laughs> it, it actually worked out pretty well. But uh, that place is so weird. It's really one of the weirder places in Brooklyn. Do do a lot of bands play there? I mean, they did in like that summer or those maybe a couple summers in a row where they were having like an outdoor concert series. Funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, what was I saying? So it's just sort of like it does seem like the last bun- like bunch of years where like he'll mix the lineups up for sure. So it's sort of like right, and like now, I feel like he's kind of settled on a, a current version. Yes, like Gillard's been back for a little while, right? So he's still in yep. there. I, I think he, like there's one guy who's a kind of in basically the in-house producer, and mm-hmm. so it's like everything is just kind of produced the same way every time. Yes, I was yeah. I wish they spent more time on those new records. <laughs> I know that's antithetical yeah. to the GBV ethos, but. Uh, I mean, I just feel like three per year is just that's that's what makes it rough. Like two, I could handle probably <laughs> like three just kind of breaks it or it just starts seeming like a periodical rather than an album. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> it's like it's like it starts seeming like an obligation, like I have to do three of these yeah, it's things like, a year. Technically, you can do that. You can record, uh, you know, 35 songs a year or whatever it is. But um, yeah, you could just pick the 15 best ones. I don't know. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Nope. No. Well, it, it, you got to get that product out there. You got to sell a thousand copies of each of them and you break even and uh, get a little profit. It's a, it's a mildly marketed product. Let's do one from the, around the time you started doing things under the name Robert Pollard, oh, yeah. to kind of get around this very thing, yeah. Because Matador was be, was not al- about to allow him to put out like three Gabby Voices records per yeah. year. You have to call one of them Robert Pollard. Yep. So, um, I think the first one of those was uh, not in my Air Force. I'm a big fan of the song "Psychic Pilot oh, Clocks yeah. Out." I'm, that I one feel life is an epic. I feel life passing on by. I mean, yeah. that's such a good. Oh my god. Yeah, that one really hits hard, right? It's just because, and it has like, because it has like that, that big, cool kind of stonesy riff, mm-hmm. but it, it's all building up to that chorus at the end. So, I mean, that song's really weird because it's basically like uh, a stone song meets a wire song because it has like kind of the same structure as uh, Map Ref. I don't, I don't know the coordinates off the top of my head. You know, you know that song I'm talking yeah. about. Well, that's interesting. But yeah, it, it does the same kind of like structural trick as that song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just work your way to the chorus and do it once at the end. Out. 
Yeah, I think he does, of course, a couple a, a few times. But yeah, it's just like, no, well, no, we're not moving backwards. It's just kind of like that. I feel like passing on by. I feel like passing. Yeah, well, exactly. I guess I feel like that to me, like they build up to the I feel like I feel life passing on by to me. That feels like the chorus or something, even though. Yeah, you're right. It's like to me, it's almost like verse pre-chorus verse pre-chorus with those weird like riffs in between. And then it goes. In yeah, like, I feel like. Yeah. Oh God! And like, there's something about the way he says "feel" yes. in it too, because it just it just he just really makes the the life just go right by it in that moment. Yeah, no, he sells it. I mean, yeah, that's like a real. That's also like a real like adultery moment for me. I I yeah, love adultery as a vocalist. I know people like I don't know crap on adultery, but like I think he's an incredible singer. Like, and that yeah, that reminds me of like 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 tommy era or something like i feel like this kind of raspy and like yeah and, and he's and he's such a who yeah guy. um man i love the- what's your general relationship with the who um great question um i like a lot of the who i'm not a completist like i like i like the obviously like the 60s stuff you know um kids are all right that those kind of songs pictures of lily um, I love the who's sell out record. Yeah. I love Tommy. <laughs> um, and I love who's next. And, and, oh, yeah. Who's, I mean, who's and next then after that, I'm out. Like, I, I can't hang with Quadrophenia. Uh, I like 515. I don't even know. That one's on that one, right? Was oh, that a song? I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like the thing with the who for me is I've never really, I mean, because there's, there's lots of songs I like by the who. And we've kind of, you just mentioned a bunch of them. But I just never really like had like a who moment in my life. And I feel right. like it's very this, this the way I am. I know that, you know, like any day now I could just like suddenly become like incredibly obsessed with the who I've tried, but it just hasn't happened. Yet. You know what a problem with the who is also is like as someone that's listened to a lot of classic rock radio in the car. Um, I, I'm really not into that sort of like, who are you? Um, or bargain. Yeah, well, bargains on who's next, but yeah, bargain is not yeah. a great song. But but that one just like makes you think of just car yeah, ads. Totally, those you know, those are literally in car ads. I, I don't like. Yeah, I mean, I could never get sick of Baba O'Reilly, and that's the song that uh, GBV would play live. Yeah, no, Baba, one of the few covers they ever play. Yeah, no, Baba is like one of the great rock songs. Just full stop. I mean, that one, that's a true masterpiece. Um, and uh, yeah, I love seeing GBV play. I've seen GBV do some funny covers. I saw them do Wild Horses. <laughs> oh, I've never. I think I've. I've think I've. I've seen them do Bob O'Reilly. I've seen them do Salisbury Hill oh, one. Interesting. The Peter Gabriel That's song. Cool. I think I saw. I can't remember what Beatles song. It was maybe Hard Day's Night. Oh, funny. I want to say it was Hard Day's Night. Um, I saw them do like a completely. It was clearly off the cuff. They did break on through to the other side, but <laughs> oh my god, I would love to see that. <laughs> oh like, my god, it was like, like I think like the bass player like in between songs just like exactly just started doing that, <laughs> and then it was just like, are we doing this? And then they, they just did like a verse and chorus of it. It was so funny. That's all you needed that one. Oh god, I love that song. What a great song. I could never, I can never get with people who just kind of reflexively diss the Doors because, like, there's a few Doors songs that are just so good. I don't know how you could dis- dismiss that band. Oh yeah, no Peace Frog. I mean, um, <laughs> Riders on the Storm, super vibey. 
great baseline oh, yeah. on that one. Um, yeah, super, super vibey song. Also, like seven minutes long would just be on the mm-hmm. radio. Let's do. Hmm. Oh, and I was going to say, I love um, the Pollard solo records from this era. I like them more than the GBV records. Like, I like. Not my Air Force. I, I feel like he he was going weird yeah, around those, wave, right? Like that that run of not my Air Force waved out. Um, Kid Marine. I love submarine teams. maybe like a top five Pollard album for me. Like I love Kid Marine so much and that's Kid Marine. Oh, and also the one with Gillard, uh, speak kindly. Oh, speak, speak kindly is definitely a major one for me. There's at least like five or six, like all time favorites on that, but I I was going to get to actually let's focus, let's focus on this, this era for a moment. So like, I mean, I, yeah, waved out like the, the song for me on waved out. That's like really just like the God tier, GBV is subspace biographies. Know it well. Played it a lot in Giant Bug Village. Uh, of course. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Do my job each day. Empties crushed and fired away. There is nothing worse than an undetermined person. Is like such a Bob. Bu- That's like put that on his grave. But it's funny because he's 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 uh he's putting that couplet right next to the couplet about um crushing beer cans, empty beers, just like yeah. slamming beers and crushing the cans. You can totally picture guys just like at like a fire pit, like crushing beer cans and firing them away, and then. There's nothing worse than an undetermined person. This is like, whoa. Um, Can I abuse you, please, in my subspace biographies? Like absolute nonsense, but it's like, oh, please don't. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. Yeah, he, he's funny because it's like some of his lyrics are just clearly nonsense and they and they read that way. And some of them are maybe nonsense and like kind of ob- obliquely personal. Like I feel like subspace biographies, there's some... There's something like that's that's about something like there's definitely a lot of GBV songs that are about nothing, but I feel like subspace is like there's something going on there. 
Yeah, I mean, I think like pretty broadly speaking, that's absolutely a song about like the push and pull between being lazy and being ambitious, mm. right? Right. Hang out with your buddies and drink beer or get off your ass. And- Obsessively write right. songs. <laughs> um, make three albums a year. I, I, okay, Waved Out. I, I, I lo- Make Use is, I think the chorus of Make Use is like one of his best melodies. Make use of the Make use of the bold proposition. That song, make use. Oh, you know what you, you know what I love on that one is "Caught Waves" again, which is like the kind of yep. acoustic song. Great melody in on that one. Another one that's like really oh, dude, sad. Dude, another, okay, this is so funny. Just like, dude, this song, um, "Artificial Light." Man, that song. The oh, melodies yeah. on that. That is one of those like non-repeating, weirdo short little songs that are so like key to the GBV aesthetic. Like they have like the fully developed songs like subspace or make use. And then there's like those, those little like minute long songs that are just like this little non-repeating, super melodic, wistful, gorgeous nugget. And man, artificial light just that song kills me. Artificial light. I'm clinging artificial light and praying it won't burn out. Artificial light. Oh, I mean, another song in that kind of vein of just like, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to, here's the idea and the idea, we've reached the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of that is a girl named Captain oh, yeah. from uh, Not in My Air oh, Force. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's a great one. I love "Get Under It," but that's that that's more of a traditional pop song. That yeah, one. get on. Yeah, that's get under it. Yeah, it's just crazy. He's just burning through all these songs, and you really start to wonder, like, wait, what? Is this like when the record? He, it's like when he happened to make the record, the songs went there instead of to the <laughs> record that was supposed <laughs> totally, to be a commercial. Totally, push. totally. Yeah, I mean, arbitrary. It's like yeah, if Maggie Turns to Flies was the track one on like a GBV record, it would be like. I mean, it is a classic, but like it would have like this different resonance or something. And like maybe they'd play it more or something. You know what else is funny about uh, Air Force is like those crazy songs at the end. Those like super out of tune acoustic songs. Like (laughs) Party and stuff. Promise Coming. Punk Rock Gods. Like those songs. Like, yeah, like, you know, when you're like like, you know, you're a big fan of a band when like, I'm like, mo- I'm like sometimes most interested in like those kind of songs. If I haven't heard something in a long time, I'm like, oh yeah, these like crazy, like 45 second songs that are like with an incredibly out of tune guitar and you're just like, but somehow they like transport you somewhere. Yeah. I will speaking to that thing of just like the, the albums versus like these, like, you know, non guided by voices albums, like speak kindly of Ronald or fire 
department comes out within like a few months of do the collapse <laughs> and do the collapse is like definitely the one record where they're really trying to make a hit album yeah. they move the tvt records but like the hits are all on speak kindly yeah. like pop zeus frequent weaver who burns uh and i don't so now i do tight globes these are just oh all like, tight uh, globes. slick as snails these are just all this like world-class guided by voices songs that just happen to be on this record instead of that one hey give me a ballpark estimate Drive a good car or a bargain. So now I do. Here's what I have done for you a life on the run, a foxhole and a gun, a roof that blocks out the view. I never had one, and I didn't want one, and I don't. So now. I mean, it's not like there's no good songs on uh, Do the Claps because they do. I mean, Teenage Riot, uh, Teenage Riot, Teenage FBI is great. Things I Will Keep is great. Yeah. You know, there's there's a, there's a few of them, but I think a lot of those songs feel a little dry. Yeah, I mean, how do you? I was gonna say, like, what do you like? I, this is all such like a confusing period of their career because, like, first of all, like from my perspective, like when they were like, yeah, we're gonna go to a bigger label to try to have like a hit record, it was sort of like. Well, okay, then sign to like Columbia or like Warner Brothers. Like, what the hell is TVT? TVT is like at that point legendarily a bad label. Yeah, like, there's literally an entire Nine Inch Nails album about how that label sucks. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Yeah, Broken. Broken's a whole album of getting out of the contract of TVT. That's so fun. Yeah, I had never even heard of TVT Records until GBV signed to them, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, lame. Like, you were already on a great label, and like, yeah, if like. Yeah, I think like Built to Spill was on like Warner Brothers. It's like, yo, know, if they can be on Warner Brothers, so, like so can you. It's like, get them on a real label. And then like, it's such a weird period because it's sort of like, and I understand like, listen, like they had done the lo-fi thing. They were the masters of that. And I think Bob sort of bristled at like, maybe like being kind of reduced to just sort of like the lo-fi guys. And he like wanted to make like his own, like who's next not realizing that he already yeah. had, he just had made his version yeah. of it with alien lanes and B. And like, I don't think Rico Kasich was like a good fit. Like I just, I, I think you're right though, that he probably felt pigeonholed by being the lo-fi mm-hmm. guy. And he'd be like, I, what if we were, what if we weren't at all? What if we just went for the most expensive sounding thing? You know, I mean, the most, not possible, but you know, this is like a, a professional rock and roll album. Yeah, and it was just like a weird time. It was like that's right as like uh <laughs> like Limp Bizkit and shit was getting big. Like yeah. it just wasn't just gonna, the terrible timing it just did not see the window. Yeah. But it's funny because I feel like if he did it even a few years later, maybe it would have. If he had done it at the time where like, you know, uh Modest Mouse and Death Cap for Cutie are popping. Or the off. strokes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the strokes for me, like I saw the strokes open for God of My Voices at least three times before they're, you know, before they really were. Oh, wow. That's that's so in my head, like they're always like, oh, yeah, they're that band that opened for God of My Voices. That's so funny. Wow. That's that's a 
That's a great advantage of living in New York. I never saw the Strokes, I, so I, I actually saw them play. Uh, well, they played two New Year's shows. I saw the one that wasn't. It was the day before New Year's Eve, but they played two of them at the Apollo. I remember the, those, of all those shows being listed in the New Yorker. Like I like yeah. I remember, like reading the New Yorker and like wherever I was, I, yeah, like in Oregon or California and just being like, whoa, like GBV and the yeah. Strokes, New Year's in New York. Like, that sounds crazy. It was pretty cool. I mean, and the first night was the one where uh, where GBV was technically the headliner and the second night uh, that I didn't see was the Strokes being the headliner. But what they did was like the Strokes came out, they played a set, then God Ray Voices came out and they played a set. There's like they're I think Universal Truths and Cycles had just come out. Mm-hmm. So they're playing a lot of that stuff. And I, I like that record a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like they kind of jammed out for an encore and they played like my they, I think they played the strokes played maybe another song and then like they all played my valuable hunting knife. That's that's together. awesome. Great song. Love that one. Um but yeah, it's just a funny, it's just, it's just like a funny chapter in their career. The like two TVT records. Um, the second one's great. Yeah. Isolation drills. I, th- I think that's a lot of people's favorite, you know, depending really? on what kind of fan you are. There's definitely a cult of that record. Wait, that's their favorite GBV record. Full stop. I think Steven Hyden has talked about that being his favorite. No, I think alien lanes is his favorite. Oh, no, that's right. He's an but yeah, but I know he's an isolation drills guy. Yeah. There's definitely like a lot of isolation drills guys. <laughs> I mean, I like isolation drills, but I did throw it on the other day and I was like, mm, I'm going to I'm not going to listen to it. Like I did. It wasn't hitting for me. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, it has a, it has a couple like major ones. It has like glad girls on it. It's chasing Heather crazy. I like skills like this a lot. a great one see there's, there's some really good ones on it but like i it doesn't really have like the same emotion for me and, um I, I mean brides hit the glass is another major one that's great how's my drinking is great um yeah it's funny glad girls is like of the of their major songs that they like are well known like that's probably my least favorite like it's kind of annoying to me a little yeah it's it feels very cheap like i remember even when isolation drills came out and like that was the single and was like hey hey glad and i was like really like are you trying to do like this like cheap glad? trick or something like <laughs> i like cheap trick yeah but it's it like, has a real beer commercial quality to it yeah it's just kind of corny like, or like kind of empty and i was sort of like i just never thought that song was good and like i i just i've always just been sort of like i don't know like i remember thinking like man is the bloom off the rose like with when when that was the single off isolation drills and i remember thinking that's probably the worst song on isolation drills. And I got into that record, but like, I was just like, I don't like this vibe of like, and like, I'm not going to be like begrudge them for like trying to like, quote unquote, get big. But like, yeah, I was like, really? Like, that's what you're going to write. Like, 
I don't know. That, I mean, that song gets people going live. It does. It's cool. It's fine. You know, I mean, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a downer, but like, just like in my heart of hearts, I was just like, every time I hear it, I'm just sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, after that, they come crawling back to Matador. <laughs> And, and, which is, you know, a, a, a pattern that happens through the history of Matador Records. Like Interpol comes crawling back. They all come crawling back. <laughs> I think Cat Power came crawling back. I mean, it's like, you know, let's like take that as a lesson. Like, go where the love is, man. It's like, you can't, like, it's better to be a big fish in a small pond I, I, or to be like, you know, to be like the biggest band on a label where they feel like, oh, we can't fuck this up to being you switch to a major label and you're suddenly like not at all a priority. Like no one at the label is like everyone's like, no, you know, you know, you know, Rihanna is on the same label. We have to, you know. <laughs> well, and it's also just sort of like, uh, I mean. I, who knows what, what was going on, but it's like if there are people being like, you know, Matador's not doing this in this for you, like, like, like we, could, like, you know, at this at this label at TVT, we could do this and this for you, and like, and like, but it's like, and maybe I'm totally wrong and like naive about it, but I'm just sort of like, there's no reason that like they couldn't have been like a huge band on Matador. It's just that like culturally, um there was not a space for them to become like massive, like, 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 I wonder what the goal was. Like, was it to be as big as like Nirvana? Like, I don't even understand. Like, I, I don't know if that was the goal, but I think maybe you think like, well, they can get us on TV. Like we could they be as big as like the like, counting crows or like what? They, 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 they can work our songs to radio. We can have a radio song. But, right. Because, I mean, that's ultimately the thing, right? Because, like, so much of radio is based on payola that you want a label that has money that can basically pay your way onto right. the radio. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. I forgot about, like, you know, radio. <laughs> radio in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, still a big deal. I mean, still, I mean, it's still a big deal now, but, you know, it's it's so weird to think about, like, bands having hits on the radio. There's, like, all these bands that are, like, really popular bands that, like, don't really have radio hits. I mean, like, Vampire Weekend's a good example of that. Like, modest radio play. Yeah, I don't like, even a band know. That can play an arena. Does Vampire, like, were there hits off Father of the Bride on the radio? I think This Life got some decent airplay. On, like, alt-rock radio, like, next to, like, yeah. they're playing, like... I think they were playing Harmony Hall in This Life, and that was kind of bad. And then it would be- maybe Sunflower. Like, I mean, I feel like Sony probably had a good push on that one, but you know. And then the next song is like by like the Arctic Monkeys or something, or like yeah, or, or I mean, a lot of like the, the the corporate like rock radio stuff is such a weird zone now, where there's like bands that are like very successful there that just don't exist in other parts of the world like i think on this one band called like shade like which is s-h-a-e-d who have like really big radio play but no one knows who they are like they just hmm. or like there's a lot of bands like um or oh, like fuck, I'm, I'm just, or like with 21 but, yeah they just have like a oh yeah but, yeah that's a great example like but i think 21 pilots is like pretty famous no they but, are like, but like, like i didn't know if they'd be on like the same like would there be like a 21 pilot song and then like a vampire weekend song and then like a shade song? yeah i think so actually yeah I, you know i i should like it's funny i never listened to the radio in the car i should um i should check out you ever listen to k-rock i i feel I mean, like k-rock would be like you know not in many many years i i should check in or are you are you more of a K, kcrw guy <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to listen to a terrestrial radio in LA, it'll be, yeah, KCRW or KPCC or whatever, one of the... Or if I'm on the west side, KXLU, which is the college station out of Loyola. I haven't been to LA in a couple of years, but like all the times I've been in LA, it's like the most like concentrated amount of radio that I hear because I'm in cars way, 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 way more. Right. Of course. So yeah, I, I well, I, <laughs> I think the last yeah, the last time I was there was 2018. I was I was there a couple of times in 2018, and yeah, so like I had a really good sense of like what was popping on the radio at that moment. That's funny. Yeah, I think I'm just like a full serious. If I'm doing radio, it's like I'm doing satellite. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like like just being in like Ubers and Lyfts. Oh, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about or that. Or just being in like a friend's car. Yep. Right. Because if, 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 if I'm in my friend Chris's car, he's a KCRW guy. <laughs> he's just like listening to like hardcore, like marketplace or whatever. Just like. I know because they would just play like I, I mean I, I kind of remember because they would just be playing like kind of like some kind of like well they have that morning show morning becomes eclectic right I I didn't remember her playing anything that wasn't music but it was just uh, things like uh, like artsy jazz <laughs> yeah. which is not even really my friend's vibe at all but like I just remember them playing I can't, I can't remember the name of the artist but yeah these kind of like artists that kind of like fill in these weird zones between like R&B and jazz and like alt rock. Like, sure. Weird, you know, and things that just didn't really exist before recently. <laughs> okay, let, let's snap back to GBV. Yeah. <laughs> let's do Shocker and Gloomtown. Oh, hell yeah. Was a band that was sickening arousing That's also uh, made famous or famous-ish by the Breeders. Yes, that's right. Ohio Excellence. This one, yeah, this one is sort of like about a band, like a buzz band. There's a band, they were sickening, arousing everyone. Yeah. I love the the PS dump your boyfriend part. (laughs) Totally. And then just like, yeah, emotional trash and helium balloons. The way he's, and helium balloons. You're just like, I, I remember hearing that song for the first time and just being like, that is the coolest hook. Like the words helium balloons sung over that melody is just like, it, that is so distinctly Pollard. And I feel like that, that song's like a minute and a half. We, we have probably talked about that song longer than it runs. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just so compact. It's it's just uh, it has that great drum part too. The, yeah, the, the kind of uh, oh man, I'm not even trying to pretend to do it. Do you, do you have like friends that are GBV fans that you do like Pollard jokes with? Like, not I'm mean, not yeah, not in a conversational way. I definitely have fans friends who are fans. I do it with my brother and with my friend Kyle Field, um, where like we'll be hanging out and then it'll just be like a turn of phrase that it just kind of like. Uh, just sounds like a Pollard song, and then you just sing it in the Pollard and helium balloons. You just like make up like a funny like Pollard melody. 
<laughs> now now you've just put in my head that I want to hear your brother Dave uh, from Dirty Projectors do God of My Voices. Oh, yeah. No, we would definitely like come up. He's a great voice for it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's an incredible singer. And so he does like he can do a really good Pollard. Um, but yeah, I can't even think of an example. You know, just like when you're talking and there's just like some weird turn of phrase of just sort of like, like, uh, what kind of drill is that? Oh, it's an impact driver. Like, impact driver. Just like. <laughs> or some drilling implied. <laughs> yeah, some dr- exactly. yeah, I think there's some drill. I think we need to like, I don't know, like we can't find the stud. Uh, could you, can we, <laughs> I don't even find that in a, in a sentence. I think there's some drilling implied here. No. Um, uh, that, yeah. Paula, like, 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 you know, you've done like a distinct thing artistically when like people can like do a parody of it. Um, and like, yeah, definitely the like weird turn of phrase with his, funny phrasing is like i don't know it's like a funny thing like i remember i was in this band little wings and we were like did this little tour a few years ago and like you've been a member of a lot of bands yeah, at this point i have been uh but always like low-key like never like hardcore like we're touring europe dude like more of just like you know touring like <laughs> but still like you've been a, you've been a member of several bands yeah i have uh you have a, you have a resume I, I guess i do yeah i mean but um on this little wings tour like me and Kyle were just doing like Pollard jokes like for days on end. And the other guys in the band were like, we're not GBV fans. And they were just like, shut the fuck up. guy!" Like after like two days <laughs> of us just doing like, yeah, I mean, non-stop everyone's po- doing in jokes and you're not getting yeah, exactly. The I mean, I understand why they, why they said that, but it was like two days of us just like making up GBV songs. Like Kyle's driving, I'm running shotgun. We're just like making up dumb GBV songs. And, Guys were just like, oh god! I mean, you just like walk through the world, you just start seeing like GBV titles. Exactly. Let, let's kind of try to burn through a few because we, we we've kind of gone on some tangents. Let's just try to like lightning round some songs. How about how about uh, how about Wondering Boy Poet? Great, let's do that. That's one. another early one. That's on Vampire, right? Vampire yes. Titus. And it's one of my favorite GBV songs. It's like a minute long. It's just like gorgeous words, gorgeous melody. Again, effortlessly. It's not pretty. It's like almost pretty, but it's like, it's. I find it very moving. Um, Vampire Titus is definitely like the most lo-fi of the lo-fi era. That one is actually kind of brutal to listen to. It's tough. Um, and it's interesting considering that like the earlier records that were like, I mean, like the early part of their career, they were like going into recording studios in Ohio in the 80s and like earnestly trying to make like professional rock records. So it's, it is interesting to think about do the collapse in that context where they're going full circle with like better resources. Because um, like the first few records are pretty clean. And then then you hear, hear Vampire, which is like their fourth or fifth record. And you're like, what the hell? Like. They were just, and that's after Propeller. Propeller has, right. you know, a much cleaner sound to it, which is like still kind of a homemade record. Yeah. 
No, it's interesting in that period like they were really like jumping around like this is going to be real noisy and then the next one's like a little more polished and like real noisy. It's keeping you on your toes. Yeah. I mean, but again, like you're, it's kind of like finding the voice. Yeah. Uh, flowing just like the days, sailing just like the days. That one's just about like time going by or something. I don't know. Yeah. Just, anyway. Feel life passing on by us. Yeah. Let's let's uh, do something from Propeller. Like uh, we got quality of armor. Oh yeah, I love this one. This is like true, like, yeah, like quintessential, like, like them at their most like bar band or something. Um, it has like, that, that also has that kind of like part at the beginning. That's very like early Beatles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to drive my like, car. One of the more overtly Beatles parts they've done. If It sounds like it could be on a uh, rubber salt. Totally. Actually, I never thought about that. That's funny. And then, yeah, then like that, just like really like chugging like verse. Um. It's yeah, it's like a very simple, like very straightforward rock song. But again, the lyrics on that one are weird. The best defense is belligerence. Oh the yeah, the worst defense is intelligence. Like very, like very quotable GBV lines. Yeah, I think the, those are ones like you know we we're saying before people are pointing at the band when they like the line. Like those are absolutely like the best defense is belligerence is pointing at it. like the whole audience. Like yes, I associate with, I, I identify with that line. And it's sort of like, what is he talking? Is he talking about like, if you're driving a car, literally, or is it like you're like a macho bro who's like hammered, or like I don't know what that song is about. It's like like a it's a it's a way of life. Yeah, a motto. I mean, God, can you imagine like if, if a, a teenager somehow knowing that song and making that like their yearbook? Quote? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Weed King from that record. Oh my God, and that's like they're kind of like they're. It's, it's, it's kind of like they were trying to do a Led Zeppelin song. Oh, interesting. And then take photographs of what we made. Lemonade, freedom cake, quick to bake. Trim the tree collectively. Yeah, the melodies in that are incredible. 
Long live Rockathon. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like, kind of, like, he's like he's doing kind of like a like a, a ponderous thing, you know. But then it kind of like gets to the chorus where he's just really getting epic. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I, it's funny he's bringing up Zeppelin. It's funny. I could almost kind of hear that on like physical graffiti or something. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like he's trying to do cashmere on like no budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love Weekend. Yeah, but- I would do that one as as uh, George Boy Voyage. <laughs> <laughs> Any other ones from that record you on like pro- a lot? On Propeller? Um, I mean, the first one is epic. Over the Neptune, Meshkir Fox. I mean, mm. come on. That's like one of the true epics. Um, and then... I mean, the whole record is, I mean, like there's the weird, like kind of like Abbey Road collage one. There's like on the Tundra. I don't know, man. Um, not Absorbing is the last song on that one, right? I think Not Absorbing is on uh, Vampire. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Right. That's a great one, though. That's that. That's like the that's like, kind of like the pop song on Vampire. <laughs> the, like the closing number is the catchiest one. see you um oh wait how, okay let's let's do a couple like major ones that we haven't hit yet but i am a scientist yes this one like that one can level me that one yeah, this like the part the part where it's um i am a lost soul i shoot myself on rock and roll the whole i dig is empty is, uh, and yeah but but nothing else can set mm-hmm. me free it's like yes I, yeah same <laughs> yeah this is one of his ones that's like like again pretty direct um it's like yeah it's like him exploring like who, who am i basically yeah it's a real statement of purpose and it's a lot of it's a, for, i think for a lot of people the first song they ever heard by them yeah It's, yeah, again, like those hooks are so good. I remember in that book I mentioned before, um, like uh, closer you are, this image really stuck in my mind from that book. Like, 
Bob had like this is like B thousand. They're making it, and Bob wrote that song when they were making that record, and like his son at that point was like thirteen or fourteen, and like his son had had like his friend like do a sleepover, and it was like. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, just, I'm kind of struck by the fact that like we're around the same age as Bob Pollard. Oh, son. I know, I know, I know. He's probably born in like the early '80s or yeah, or yeah, '80. Uh, yeah, probably. He's probably in his yeah, '40s. Yeah, it sounds like he's like a year or so Pollard's younger a grandfather. than me. Um, yeah, um, it makes sense. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So he like his like son had like had like his friend like do a sleepover and like these like two like 14 year olds like come into the living room on a Saturday morning and Pollard's like, let me. Hey, hey guys, I just wrote this new song. Let me play it for you. And they're like, they're just like crushing like cereal. And he plays them. I'm a scientist. And they're like, pretty cool, dad. And it's like, it's just like, can you, like how crazy, like, it's just like so funny to think about like his son and like his son's friend just being like, or like just like his son's friend being like, dude, your dad's weird. Your dad you know, writes like, songs. I guess that song's cool. Like, I don't know. Like he, like he, he's like a fifth grade teacher, and he writes songs. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing men- worth mentioning about Bob, his backstory is like he was like a real like high school athlete. Oh yeah, he 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 really is one of the the f- like the few like jock to indie rock uh, success. And, I mean, stories. in college athlete, he threw the no hitter for right. for Wright State University. God, imagine like an alternate universe where he just became a professional athlete, kind of like a low-level professional athlete. Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> and we were denied all of this. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very and, like captivating. Um, uh, I don't know, like arc. Um, very unusual. You know, it, I, have you seen that Richard Linklater movie? Uh, Everybody wants some. Oh, I yeah, love that I, movie. That's my favorite oh, that's, of his movies. Yeah, it's actually. up there for me. Um, and I've seen it a few times. And I always think of Pollard when I watch that movie because it's like, it's like oh, college yeah. baseball players in like 1980. Um, I wish there were more movies like yeah. that one because it's just like it's like a whole movie where there's no tension at all. It's just you're just having fun yep. with dudes. They're just having a good time. They're going to parties. Uh, you know, the, the the one main guy has a romance plot and nothing goes bad for anyone. And it's like, that's the kind of escapism that I would like to see yeah. more of. Actually, I would love like a whole genre of movies where it's just like, watch people have a hangout and good times. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's tough to make those, uh, to do that well, you know, uh, or you have to be Richard Linklater to get the money to be like, yeah, there's no plot to this one. Um, yeah, no, they're just having a good time. Um, but yeah, but I'm actually <laughs> they're just good dudes. Like, so it's just about toxic masculinity. No, no, they're good dudes. They're having a good time. They like to dance. They like to dress up. Um, they like girls. But yeah, imagine if like one of the characters, like like last time I watched that movie, I was like, okay, now imagine one of these characters and like jump forward like 15 years, and he's like one of like the premier indie rock musicians <laughs> in America. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> okay, I didn't see that one coming. It's definitely, an, it's a very unusual story. Um, and his brother was like a big athlete too. Uh, I think the Pollard brothers are like, there's some sort of like Dayton, like sports hall of fame. And I think they're in it. I remember reading that somewhere. Which is, how about tractor rape chain? I mean, incredible. I mean, again, 
an unfortunately titled song, I think, but you know. yeah, I mean. that one just kill me i mean it's it's really just a, a gorgeous breakup song yeah it's so it, well it's kind of what you're saying it's sort of like the verses are very straightforward you know why is it every time i think about you you know and he's just something that you said or implied makes right. me doubt you incredible opening line then i look into your cynical eyes yeah and then so it's like about this like yeah like this bummer relationship and then it goes tractor the parallel lines on a slow decline you're following it you're like okay these people are are in a relationship. They're on a parallel track, but it's the, it's in decline. Tractor rape chain. Yeah, and it's a great metaphor. I love yeah. that line. It's 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 just like yeah. I, I remember like actually having a breakup and like being like, oh yeah, that's exactly it. It's parallel lines and a slow decline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like a slow breakup, like a, a relationship that's been going on for too long. You know, that's sort of like. Well, we should break up. Like we have this relationship, and then it's better. Better yet, let's all get wet on the on our tractor rape chain. Yeah. Like, so what? Because so the, it's it's a weird self sabotage. The, the title is so trippy. I mean, I just to me it was always in my head. It was sort of just like some weird expression, like some like Ohio guy being like, "Yeah, man, that's a tractor rape chain." I don't know. Just like <laughs> you know, like I like. Yeah, it's just a it's colloquialism. Just like a weird this is the thing your it's dad a, says. Surrealist image out of nowhere. I mean, I think it works like poetically, um, but it is jarring. And like, yeah, the word rape is just like, whoa. There's like a lot of songs in the mid '90s that will just say rape out of nowhere. <laughs> like, obviously, there's the "Rape Me" by Nirvana, which is mm-hmm. more deliberate. But do you remember that song "Selling the Drama" by Live? <laughs> I don't. Was that a single? That's that. That's like one of the because they had that record that has uh, like lightning crashes and I alone, and that was like uh, I think the first hit before those two like really blew up. But the chorus that song, "Hey, we won't be raped." <laughs> it's like Damn. what? <laughs> There's just like a lot of things that you could get away yeah, with in the '90s exactly. as a rock I band. Just, I think there was like a different context uh, then for yeah using language or a certain way or whatever i do remember like like uh, like in yeah like late 90s like like having that song in the car and like my girlfriend at the time was like what did he say like checked a rape chain like what what the hell and, like she was kind of <laughs> like what the like what the hell like kind of like you know just sort of like alarmed by it and i was like and i was yeah. like oh it's just I a mean, song it, it, yeah. yeah, I get it. <laughs> and it's because it's also it's jarring in the context of the song. Absolutely. 
And I, I mean, if I had to guess, I think he just used the word just because it just in his head just kind of like fit it. And well, I was like, it was kind of like an interesting combination of words. And it's also, it is powerful. I mean, to like take, but I don't think he's trying to be an edge lord. And I also don't think it's necessarily. I think it's just kind of this intuitive yeah, move. I agree with that. He's definitely not trying to be an edge lord, but I think he is. Um, yeah, sort of like putting the, the taking the power of that word and like putting it in this like abstract kind of aesthetic realm. Which seems very nineties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it was completely intuitive. Do you have any favorites on Earthquake Glue? <laughs> this is that's real deep. I have not heard Earthquake Glue in <laughs> many years. I remember loving that song Secret Star. Like mm. it's towards the end. It's like this very triumphant GBV. I like Best of Jill Hives. Yeah. That was kind of one of the singles yeah, for that I mean, one. This is like, I feel like the end of that run, that oh, whatever, what was, oh, two, oh, three, oh, four, like. Yeah, that was oh, three, I pretty think. exhausted. Um, and I, yeah, I don't love Earthquake Glue and I don't love Half Smiles. Half Smiles has one of my favorites Which on one? it, though. Uh, Sleep Over really? Jack. That's one of your favorites? Skeptic having dates and facts Handy with the parallax Home is not your woman's head Play the spark is what I said I know I know You're gonna fuck up my makeup You're gonna make up my fuck up They call me sleep over jack Serving confident products, ice pick in the hot day, and you will never be next. Oh, yeah, and that one. Uh, there's just something about that song that's just really like off kilter and strange. It has like a uh, it's a real weird vibe to that one. And it has like some melodies that just will just kind of be in my head. Like I'll just be like, "Oh, where is that from?" Oh, right, that's wow. Sleepover Jack. Like it's like fit me into a thimble. Oh, yeah, I'll be your. I'll be your. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, I haven't heard that in I can't a long time. That. I remember. Yeah, but that one's really dark. That's an aggressively dark GBV yeah. song. Damn, I should revisit. You're gonna make. You're gonna fuck up my makeup. You're gonna make up my fuck up. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that that one's just a real heavy one. It's just like because that record does feel like exhausted in a lot of ways. I think there's a there's a few ones I like. I like Girls of Wild yeah. Strawberries. Beautiful. That's just a, you know, uh, everyone thinks I'm a rain cloud is a good one. And those are the first three songs, and then after that, I, and like a Secret Stars. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, no, I'm sorry, that's yeah. on the, the one before that. I, I like but, the last one. Yeah. The, I mean, that's kind of like really when you get in the pattern where like, okay, you just pick like the three or four you like a lot <laughs> and the rest are kind of disposable. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like we were saying like, you know, there's like 200 Pollard songs that we love, but that means there's also like another thousand that like we <laughs> yes, ex- exactly that we like um, or just simply ignored. Like, <laughs> you know, what's really deep, man. Have you ever like, Got into the Circus Devils universe because 
only a little bit. I think just it's just cherry picking songs. I haven't you know? really cracked that. Like I remember buying the first Circus Devils record, and I was just like, and then like in a blink of an eye, you know, ten years later, whatever it is, there's like twelve. There's like twelve Circus Devils records. It's that think, many. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's like Christ. eight. But it's like it's like. It's like a comical <laughs> amount of Circus Devils records. Um, There's only five Fiona um, Apple albums. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it can get, it gets so deep. Um, I wonder. There must be people who are like Circus Devils heads. There's got to be. Yeah, we're like I'm not really into God of Voices, but I'm a Circus <laughs> Devils guy. Circus Devil. <laughs> so, just that name is also so funny. It's just like, like just a deliberately bad uh like art rock. Oh, you know, speaking of just uh the kind of have like the fake names, let's go for Lexos oh, and the dude. Leapers song, Alone Sticking and Unafraid. That he rips. Like, I remember when that EP came out, I was like, this is some of the freshest Pollard stuff I've heard in a while. Like, I don't even remember. What year was 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 that? It's 2000, I think. Was it's it? Like, because it was just a huge cluster of stuff around the same time as Do the Collapse. Like, 99, oh, 2000. Whoa. Well, that's funny. Because looking back, like... Well... Because I mentioned earlier, like, someone gave me, like, that CDR of songs, and Alone Sticking Unafraid was one of them. That song um, was... A- and yeah, and that one is like such an anthemic song. Yeah. Th- yeah, that's a real live banger too. Um No, I love this time the world did. Yeah, that song is incredible. Um That's so that's so funny. Just a whole bunch of drunk people singing along to that chorus. Stinking and unafraid. Yeah. <laughs> that one and then time machines. Which is the first track on that Lex yeah. on the Leapers? Just there's just one Lex on the Leapers EP. <laughs> it's all you needed. Yeah, that whole EP is great. I love that one. Um, yeah, there's just like yeah, it's just I, I'm I, I'm I feel like overwhelmed right now. I'm just sort of like. Because yeah, I mean, it's like we could do this like just hours. Up, like, like I'm, 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 I'm right now. I'm like, okay, we're we're closing in <laughs> two hours, and probably should shut it yeah, down soon. <laughs> totally. But this is uh, only for people that love this band already. You know? Oh what yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. I, I think that's the point. We're we're just commiserating yeah. with the people. Maybe like three or four people come away from this being like, oh, man, that's exactly what I need. I need people to contextualize GBV for me. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, I need like a GBV primer. And then it's like two hours of dudes like <laughs> talking. Oh, this song. <laughs> and like we, we've referenced like 80 songs at this point. Um, yes. <laughs> right. And like we could definitely pick like 80 more that be like, oh, man, that one rocks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we haven't even... Watch me jumpstart. We didn't even crack the suitcase <laughs> box sets. Um, 
So, you know, that's what. Yeah. And there's also like also going in with the understanding that we're not counting 17 albums they did. Yeah. (laughs) Let's forget those. Yeah. 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 We're cutting this off in 2004. Although I will say I did like of the I really like Bears for Lunch. I liked Motivational Jumpsuit. I liked Space Gun. Those are the ones. I can't remember which album it's on, but you know, I love that song, Littlest oh, yeah. Possible. Yep. That's I such that's a unmotiv- Bob Pollard like statement of I purpose. That's a motivational jumpsuit. Pretty pretty sure it is. Yeah. It's the opening yeah. song of one of them. Um Yeah. But the whole idea of like just being in the littlest league possible where you can thrive to be the biggest fish in the yeah, smallest back to pond. Matador. Boom. Although I guess now no, they're not even a matter of that point. They're, they're just like <laughs> GBV. They're they're in a much smaller GBV pond. Inc. Uh, okay. What's the, what's the, like, uh, you pick one and I'll pick one and then we'll call it. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, sorry. I'm drawing just like somehow I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) Okay. How about this? (laughs) It's only like a thousand plus songs. Come on. One of my favorites. King of King and Caroline. The melodies on that are just berserk. So well sung. You know, I just want to say like yeah, quickly, like when I was like, he doesn't have like a flashy voice, it, it, but it is like, like when I first started hearing them, it took a second because like, there was, there wasn't like an immediate like gimmick. He wasn't like yelling or like yarling or like he didn't have like a snotty Malkmus affectation. It's very like, it's pretty, in its own way, it's pretty affectless. Um, and it, yeah, I just think he, like, there's like this casual, like, kind of virtuosity with his singing. I think he's like one of the great singers. It, it's all in the subtlety yeah, of the phrase. I just think, yeah, one of the great singers. And I think King of Caroline is like a great example of that. I'm going to, the last one I'll do is Choking nice. Tara which is uh, on uh, Mag Earwig. There's also an, the, the creamy version. Are you, are, of course. The creamy version.
which is uh no longer available oh, on weird. streaming. So if you're gonna hear it, you're only gonna hear the 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 kind of acoustic, mm-hmm. like minute long version. But that's a great example of them uh doing this actually like one of the rare examples of them redoing a song. True. But that one it has like this vaguely romantic quality, but to me, like the part of that song that's always stuck with me that really resonated with me because that came out when I was still in art school and was like today when every fake it decides mm-hmm. to make it, they just can't take it away. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole song is like this. It's it sounds like it's a love song, but it really just kind of goes off on this tangent about being an artist. Yeah. And it just seems very true that I, I think I like when he does these songs where he's kind of really talking about like who he is and also kind of like and who he is really is the, him making all this art is such a it's it's such a central pillar of him. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he had a choice or something. That's why he's talking about like I, I could see him kind of looking at some people and maybe judging people incorrectly or correctly who doesn't i guess it's case by case but just being like oh that guy like just to, like that guy like i mean you get into in the in the sketchy territory i think when you're when you start talk, like thinking about people as posers because you don't know what's going on in people's heads and what people's backstories are right or, or also just like your judgment is really about like what's going on right. in your head like I think one of the things I've always kind of like just in doing like critical uh-huh. stuff, like the thing I always try to keep in my head is that your po- your positive responses to things are much more true than your negative responses because your negative responses are really just about your personal baggage or you're just not connecting totally with something true. like you can be totally wrong about what you hate, but I don't think you're ever really wrong about what you yeah. like. No, that's cool. I like that. But yeah, but yeah, I think like, but, but you know, if you're making stuff and you're thinking about other people and you're thinking, you know, you, you have some kind of competitive drive and especially if you're, you're a sports guy, you probably have a lot of competitive <laughs> drive, you know, you, you're, I'm sure like you do look at these other bands like, oh, these guys can't write as yeah. well as I can. And I think in most cases <laughs> that's, probably, that's true. Yeah. And he probably had a chip on his shoulder too. Cause he's sort of like, yeah, much older guy from Ohio, not like not like a 20 something that went to art school. That's like living in, in New York and like started a band. It's like a, yeah. Yeah. Coming from a, like he's coming in with, as an, as an underdog, he remains an underdog to this day. I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of, even among the, the indie rock legends, still kind of an underdog. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you think so? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely like, people like he would be like his immediate peers that people like oh that's a cooler band right i don't know like i don't really get the sense that like there's a lot of like younger people now who like look like out of voices as being cool i don't think people think they're uncool but it's not like I, i think like having a large discography is always like this deterrent like having a smaller discography is always better for people to like jump in because they usually know where to go you know like if you you know there's only five payment records. Like there's only like two or three, my bloody Valentine records. It's much easier to just kind of be like jump in or joy division only made like, like like, television or whatever. Like like not a lot of music, but even like a band that's like REM, 
who uh, <laughs> still not nearly as prolific as God by Voices. Like they made like 15 albums in their career and no one agrees on what's the best one. Right. So, yeah, I think like pe- being really prolific is really a deterrent for audiences <laughs> in a lot of ways, which I feel like is kind of anti-artist, right? Because like artists just want to make things. Right. And the fans, lo- the fans love it if you're prolific, but it, it definitely becomes like a feedback cycle of like the more prolific you are, the more like you're siloing yourself off to the people who already love you and the more inaccessible you become yeah. to the people on the outside. So, yeah, I think our message to the audience is uh, be careful with uh, your productivity. (laughs) Got to keep a a real good balance on that. Make people want more, but you got to put stuff (laughs) out there. Uh, Well, uh, Jake, thank you so much for doing this. Super fun. Um, Well, yeah, when you asked me to do this, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Talk about GBV for two hours. Well, you know, if there's a clamoring among the the audience for more, we could always come back and do more. (laughs) so many songs that we did not discuss <laughs> a bottomless it's hit true. of music uh how can people find you um on instagram i'm streth uh s-t-r-e-t-h and check out my band mountain brews it's on Bandcamp and the streaming services we got a new one coming out soon called down to the studs oh man <laughs> doesn't sound anything like gbv the, the, the most recent one is uh uh raised yes. in a place yeah um this is our fourth ep which is a are you gonna do a mountain bruce a mountain bruce tour i mean that'd be amazing but no everyone has like jobs and kids like, and stuff <laughs> it's just there's just no way <laughs> Maybe maybe people will luck out and you'll open for Vampire at some yeah, place. Yeah, that'd be good. Mountain Bruce is like GBV. It's like uh, the first bunch of years it was just you know basement recordings. It was just uh, it was it's just a recording project. Oh, so this this means you're ready to fire them all and get like a bunch of ringers. Yeah. Well, f- first we need to get like <laughs> an incredible amount of buzz uh, in the indie rock world, and then there, there has to be a huge demand for live shows, and then we'll play our first show at, at uh, CMJ. <laughs> yeah well and then people will be like hey did you know that guy was also an internet radio personality and an american painter i had no idea what a crazy backstory <laughs> <laughs> yeah check it out he's got there's there's a every other week on apple radio that's right and there's time crisis every other week.